Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, how about you stand to your feet real quickly? There you go. No, music, man, keep going. Like, don't, don't stop on me. That's not, I sound so much better when he's playing behind me. Now, don't I sound better with that behind me? Now, stop playing for a second. I don't, I don't sound quite as good now, do I? So bring that back. Uh, it's, it is a privilege to be with you today. Uh, bring you glad tidings and, and greetings from the great state of North Carolina. And uh, there's a lot of places I could go. You'll have, you'll have more cars. You'll have more houses. You'll have more clothing. But you'll never have more time. And how you invest your time determines the impact you make. And for me to take time away from my church, I, I don't take it lightly because I'm part of the greatest church on the planet. But to come here, it's because you're good soil. And God sent me on assignment to speak a word in you today for you personally and for your whole ministry. And I believe that God is here in this place and he wants to speak something over you today. But, but the reason that I'm here is your good soil. It's because of your pastors. And it's easy to be a public success and a private failure. It's really easy to look good on the platform, but your life fall apart off the platform. You've got amazing pastors. Pastor Sean and Jillian, just, they don't get any better. The substance of their character. And you're in good hands here, open arms. You've got good leaders here, open arms. If you're just kicking the tires on this place, put a ring on it, marry this thing. Come on, this is good soil. This is a good church. But I want to give you the opportunity to just thank your pastors. Would you help me thank your pastors? Put your hands together and celebrate them for a second. No, 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 like, like, like a double portion, as Paul told Timothy. Thank you. Thank you for fighting battles that they don't have to. Thank you for praying for them when they can't even pray for themselves. Thank you for standing in the gap for the generation coming after you. It's hard work, but it's blessed work. And to see this group of people behind you, you got a great team around you. One more time, would you help me thank your pastors? Yeah. Stay standing for one second. It's my heritage where I come from. I, we believe in call and response. My mama said, if you like the meal, you mmm when you're eating it. And so I give you permission at any point to say, that's good. Preach, preacher. Do what you got to do. But I want to give you one verse of scripture that God sent me on assignment to speak over you today. Acts chapter 3, verse 7. It says this. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Here's the title for today's message. Hope is in your hand. Look at your neighbor, whichever one's your favorite, right or left. And give him the right hand of fellowship and say, hope is in your hand. Come on, look at that neighbor. Now, now pick your second favorite option, the other side, and say, hope is in your hand as well. After you've done that, you can have a seat. Thank you very much, my friend. And I, I want to speak on the subject of hope is in your hand today. I think that your, 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 your series you're in right now, Hope for the Future, is, is profound. It's this place of saying that God wants to do not just do something to you, but he wants to do something through you. If at the end of my prayer life, it really rests on me getting blessed, I'm in the shallow end of the faith pool. And God says, I want to push some of you into the deeper end of the pool and get you to realize there's something that God wants to do 
through you, not just to you, but through you, but, but hope is in your hand. Do you know what's in your hand? Do you know what God has put in your hand today? If you have placed your faith in Jesus, he's given you salvation. He's given you authority. He's given you hope. He's given you healing. For all of us who have claimed Christ, we have been given access to the kingdom, and we have hope in our hands. So why do I live beneath what Jesus died for me to be? Why do I settle for scraps when God has given me a seat at the table? And I want to speak about that gap, that, that hope. God's given it. But it's not just for you to consume. It's for you to contribute to the world. And, and, and the, the, uh, the, the key actors in the scene we're going to look at today in Acts 3 is two people, Peter and John. But I want us to rewind. And I want you to look. And I want you to examine what Peter has been given in his hands. Because the legacy that Peter was handed is the legacy that you and I have in Christ. So in Matthew, I didn't give these verses to them, uh, but, but I, wanted to, I wanted to point back a little bit to, to into Matthew chapter 16. And I want to show you what Peter had been given, because it's important. When you study the word of God, you always need to study it in context. Who wrote it? Why did they write it? And who did they write it to? So this is what God wrote to us, and it's about Peter and John. And in, in, John, or in Matthew chapter 16, there's this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples. And it's a pivot point in the story of Christ. Because he came to the earth, and he had not revealed to his disciples yet to say, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to give up my life. He had not told that to them yet. But they realized that this is the Messiah. But in their mind... The picture of the Messiah meant he's going to overthrow Roman oppression and he's going to restore Jewish nation to its rightful place because that's what they thought the kingdom was. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's beyond what you think it is. I wonder what small kingdom I'm envisioning that Jesus is saying what I have in store for you is beyond what you could have ever dreamed, beyond what you could have ever imagined. It looks so much different than what you thought it was going to be. So, but in Matthew... Jesus is telling him, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and, and in verse 13. I'll, I'll read through this real quick because I want to give you the context. Because you need to understand, as Peter steps into Acts chapter 3, he's stepping out of the story with Christ prior to that moment. And all of you are stepping into your Monday tomorrow. But you just don't start Monday with a blank page. You walk in with your hand full. There's something that God has put into your hand today that someone is going to need tomorrow. That's what I believe about the currency of the kingdom. God's going to put a deposit in you so that you can make an investment into somebody else. That's what he does with Peter. But it's so much bigger. He's walking with Jesus. And in, in Matthew 16, verse 13, says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? He's asking this question, who do they say I am? So when you go into your marketplace, when you go into your job, when you go into your school, wherever you're going, who do people say that Jesus is? Who do they think he is? Is he some fairy tale? Is he like the Easter bunny? Is he some prophet? Or is he really the risen savior? I don't know. There's a lot of varying opinions who Jesus is. I've not been in your country very long, but where I come from in the South, hey, y'all, where we eat fried chicken and we talk like this, y'all. Everybody talks about Jesus and mama. You know, I got, I got Jesus because I go to church and everybody there has got the, might have a little bit of intellectual knowledge of Christ, but they don't have an abiding relationship in their heart. Because what you're going to see in this moment is Jesus is saying, we're taking it from an ethereal ascent to an abiding relationship in your heart. 
I believe someone at the sound of my voice have an idea of Christ, but not a relationship with Christ. It's easy to go through your world and use the language of Jesus, but not have the expression of Christ in your life. Because relationship with Jesus is not about your language, it's about your lifestyle. It really is. So as we talk about hope for the future, Pastor Sean, that's awesome. I can say it, but am I living it? Am I expressing a lifestyle that would bring him glory and make people run to him? And Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say I am? And Jesus has this amazing way to flip the script. And now he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you, who, really personal question that I think God sent me an assignment to ask you today. Who is Jesus to you? And it's really easy on Sunday to get the gold sticker and the star to say, yep, I got the answer. I got the language. But when I go back to life tomorrow, do I have the lifestyle? There's often a gap between the language and the lifestyle of a believer. Someone who claims the cause of Christ but doesn't walk the walk of Christ. And so, so Peter, he speaks up. Because Pete, I so much relate to Peter. The guy who's cutting ears off, the obnoxious one, the loud one. I think Peter probably had a, a cussing problem. I just think he did. Because if you read a little bit later, he's at the fire after he had denied Christ. And he starts expressing language. Peter was a passionate person, but passion without direction just leads to frustration. And some of you have a passion. You just haven't had a direction for it. And maybe, just maybe, God today is going to give you a direction to flip the language into a lifestyle that would make people fall in love with him. He's put something in your hand. Hope is in your hope for the future. And Jesus replied, because Peter pops up, and he says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I want to pause there because it would be appropriate for me to say, you didn't end up at church today just because you wanted to go to church. I believe there's an unction. There's something that God spoke to you. There's something that's echoing in your soul that's wooing you back to him. You're not just coming to church. You're coming to the Father today. And the Father spoke something over to you, and he's pleased with you. I know you smelt like last night, but he loves you today. Because some of you, you know that, like, I'm not really, I'm trying, God. I ain't got it all figured out. But he doesn't evaluate you based upon your performance. He evaluates you based upon your, the person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and Peter, he gets to hear Jesus say this. And, and verse 18 says, and I tell you that you are Peter. Because up until this point, his name was Simon. Because he was born Simon. Shifty is what his, that name means. But now he says, you are now Peter. Jesus relabels him. He doesn't label him according to his behavior. He labels him according to Christ. Blessed are you, Peter, on this rock. Petros, he gets a new name. You got an old nature, but you got a new name today. You got a new nature, and it's based on who Jesus is. Blessed are you. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what Jesus does at this point is he put the keys in his hands. What does Peter get in his hands? The keys. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. Hope is in your hands. He says, I'm giving you authority. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's beautiful. What you loosed on earth will be loosed. I've given you authority. 
Do you understand that what Peter was given you have access to? In your hand, you have hope. You have the kingdom. You have healing. You have salvation. And Peter is equipped with this promise. Blessed are you, Peter, on this rock, Petros. I'm going to give you the keys. Hope is in your hand. And as Peter leaves that encounter, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder what he was feeling. I wonder what he was saying. And as you leave this encounter today, I wonder what the rest of your day might look like. I wonder what tomorrow might start like. And I believe God wants to start tomorrow, Monday morning, different than you started last Monday morning. And it's not because you're given things that you've never had before. Because if you have Christ, you have the fullness of Jesus Christ inside of you. If you have received him, you've got the full measure of the Holy Spirit. It's inside of you. So when you start tomorrow, may you just remember where your keys were. Because it's kind of hard to start your day when you lose your keys. When you, you ever done that? Like, oh my gosh, where are... Don't leave your house without the keys tomorrow. Because <laughs> some of you, you're going to be so busy to go try to make money to impress people that aren't even watching. You'll forget the keys. You, you'll, you'll try to perform to get somebody else's approval and you'll leave the keys the keys to living your life are in your hand hope is in your hand peter do you get it i know you're simon and you're still going to act like simon because he would be the guy that right after this a couple verses jesus is okay now i'm going to give you the next chapter of the story guys i'm going to go to the cross and die and peter says never never will that happen to you remember he's the building block a couple verses later, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block. How do you go from being a building block to being a stumbling block? It's because he forgot the keys. He didn't know what he had been given access to. Hope is in your hand. So Peter, the guy's like, I'll never deny you. At the crucifixion of Christ, he's standing outside watching the whole scene around the fire, warming himself. And some woman says, weren't you? Weren't you with Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Remember the question? He just got the gold star and the sticker. He had the language. He would eventually have to demonstrate with his lifestyle. And in that moment, his spirit was waning. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about, woman. And then somebody else asked him, you, you know Jesus, right? Because you're walking down the hallway at your, at your work. And they ask you, like, don't you go to church? And you're like, no, 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 no. Because you wonder, is he going to get me in trouble with my boss? Or am I going to get in trouble? You forgot the keys. You forgot what Jesus has put in your hand. And Peter would deny Jesus three times. And then the rooster crows. And then he wept bitterly, the scripture says. But I'm so glad that Christ does not leave you in that place of brokenness. I am so glad that Jesus sees Peter. Because after Jesus has been resurrected, he comes back. And he reinstates Peter. Peter. And he comes back to him. And he says, now feed my sheep. Remember what I put in your hands, Peter. Remember, you got this. And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and Pentecost comes. And they get tongues of fire on them. And they're speaking in tongues. And now they've been activated in their faith. So now Acts 3 is what we just read. 
Peter steps into Acts 3, coming out of that whole story. And I want you to understand there's a story to your life. And God has seen you. He's not forgotten you. He's been with you every moment. And even with you, when you denied him, he will not deny you because he's going to come to you again and again and again. Because he's long-suffering, willing that none should perish. And he has not given up on you. And you woke up today. And the very evidence of you waking up is a sign that God has not forgotten you. He's not given up on you. So as Peter steps into Acts 3, you need to understand what's been put in his hand. Because if you don't, you just read the story and you don't see the significance of the kingdom. Because he says, upon this rock, I will build my... I'll say it one more time because it's really easy. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my... One more time because that was about 42% of the participation there. I want to get a little bit higher. Why? Because the keys you've been given is all about the church. You need to understand, as Peter is stepping into Acts 3, he's going to start building the church. Okay, that was a little better participation. I'm going to get it one more time because I need you to understand here today. When you leave, you're on assignment to build the church. Because that's what Peter stepped into, to build the church. There we go. You feel like I'm back in North Carolina here. I like this. But what are you going to build tomorrow? It all depends on what you place in your hand. What, what has God put in your hand? But when I pick up my own, in my own strength, when I pick up my own power, when I pick up my own goals, when I pick up my own plans, I'm building my small kingdom with a small K. And Jesus says, you can go build that, but eventually I want you to get out of the sandbox and get into the real thing of why Jesus died for. His church. It is his plan A to redeem the world. It's his only plan. The thing Jesus died for is the thing we get to live for. And that's what Peter's going to establish. Because on this rock, I'm going to build my... Hey, you're tracking with me. So now when we pick up the scene in Acts chapter 3, you got the context. Oh, yeah. Peter, you had walked with Jesus for three years. You had come to the point of saying, you're the Messiah, the Christ, and you got Jesus giving you props. He's shouting you out. But he also said, you're going to deny me. And he would deny him. But then Jesus came back to him. What a story of redemption. So now after they've received the Holy Spirit, and if you have placed your faith in Jesus you have received the Holy Spirit. We believe God exists in three distinct persons. Father, Son, Spirit. God the Father always has been and always will be. You don't add these three together to get God. Each one is fully God independent of each other. God the Father always has been, but sin created a gap between us and him that could not be filled by the substitutionary death of ourselves. Our blood and the blood of bulls and goats couldn't satisfy that. So he had to send his son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Who gave up his life. They didn't take it from him. He gave it up. So that you could be forgiven. But when he was, he was killed and then he was resurrected. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send my spirit to live in you. And when you receive Christ, you receive the spirit of God. The person of God. It's not a power. It's a person. And he's living in you. He's the paraclete. He's the comforter. The, the guide. The counselor. That's what happened in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit came on and rested in them. And now Peter is walking in the spirit. Whatever spirit you walk with determines the keys you pick up. 
So the keys you want to pick up tomorrow, if you're walking in the flesh, you'll pick up the keys of the flesh. And the keys will be all, all about how to impress and how to get ahead and how to look good. I don't want to tell you that's wrong. I just want to tell you, you know what that produces. All the stuff, the shame, the guilt, the emptiness, that's the flesh. There's keys that you can pick up for that. Very natural keys to pick up. But there's keys to the kingdom that you've been given. It's hope for the future. What will help you pick up the right keys tomorrow morning when you go back to work? It's the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you, put down that offense and ask your spouse for forgiveness. Because it's separating us. And I don't want a gap in our relationship because you can't forgive somebody else. It's, it's putting down the, the keys of pride. Like, yeah, see me, look at me. I'm awesome. I can't, what am I going to build when I hold on to those keys? What does my car look like that I'm driving that's driven by those things? But the keys of the kingdom, Peter, is in your hand. And I believe when we get into Acts 3, Peter picked up the right keys. Because he starts in Acts 3, and you're like, okay, you took all that time, and we just now finally get to Acts 3? Yes. Because I want you to understand there's a backstory to it. There's a backstory to your life. And maybe God is prompting you right now to remember his faithfulness, even when you weren't faithful. For he cannot deny himself, the scripture says. So Acts 3 begins with two of my favorite words in the whole Bible. It says, one day. One day. It's one of my, two of my favorite words. One day is a place of potential and possibility. One day is a place to say, oh, yeah, God, you're going to do something today. Oh, God, where's it going to happen? Whose life's going to be changed today? What marriage is going to be restored in here? What teenager is going to be forgiven? What person who thought that God had forgive, forgotten them is going to see? No, I've not forgotten you. I see you. One day is a place. It's limitless. You know what the opposite of that is? You know what the enemy of one day is? It's just another day. Hey, how was work today? Well, it was another day. How was church today? It was another day. And some of you have lost a decade of your time just one day at a time. Just another day. I wonder what's driving you. Because I think when you pick up the keys of the kingdom, it's a one day. Oh, yeah. God, somebody today is going to encounter you. Because if I'm going to walk into their life, they're going to encounter Christ. Because if I'm stepping into their life, Jesus is stepping with me. They're about to meet Jesus. Because they're meeting Jesus me it's one day when is the last time you had a one day kind of mentality where you stepped into something like oh yeah god you're going to do something here today because even as i was getting ready to come up and preach to you today it's really easy for me to get stuck in an, in in another day of like what if they don't like me what if they don't understand my accent what if they don't think i'm funny what if what if oh because i'm that's the keys of the flesh I'm not carrying the keys of the kingdom. Because the keys of the kingdom is all about building the Okay, let me ask you one more time. Some of you fell asleep on me. The keys of the kingdom are about building the So as you step into your tomorrow, God wants to build the church through you tomorrow. So what you see with Peter and John here is one day, it says Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, this is an ordinary day traditional jewish custom that you would go at that time of the day to the temple to pray so they were going to their job they were going to what life normally was they stopped at the barista on the way to work every day because tomorrow this is an ordinary day for them this isn't like we're gonna like go to the temple and pray today no it's what they did every day so it's their ordinary 
But do you know that God wants to meet you in your ordinary and do something extraordinary? And you're going to go to your thing tomorrow morning and it's an ordinary day. But you get to decide whether it's another day or if it's a one day. And it all depends on what keys you're holding. If you've got the keys to the kingdom, you can step into that place and say, God, something's going to happen today. Something's going to shift today. Something's going to happen. Something. I see you, God, at three in the afternoon. Again, write yourself into the story. The same God that inspired Peter and John to step into that scene is the same God who's going to have you step into your scene tomorrow. One day at the time of prayer, Peter and John, three in the afternoon, they go. Verse 2. Here's another ordinary that's going on because God's going to take an ordinary and another ordinary and he's going to bring them together to do something extraordinary. God's going to use your ordinary and somebody else's ordinary. But when you have, hold the keys to the kingdom, it creates an intersection for a miracle to happen, something significant to happen. But Peter and John would have missed it had they been holding the wrong keys. If they would have been holding the keys of the flesh, they would have missed this opportunity. God is sovereign, so I'm not saying that God's not sovereign. God's sovereign, and we have a responsibility. Where the sovereignty ends and the responsibility begins, I don't know. I, I, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> but what I do know is when I'm holding the wrong keys, I miss the opportunity to participate with them in building something. I wonder how many situations I've walked by that God said, I want to build something, but you missed it because you were holding the wrong keys. Now, Peter and John, verse 2, it says, now here's the other ordinary. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he's put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This is the guy that's sitting by the side of the road holding the sign. This is the guy that's so low on the food chain, he's got to ask the beggars to take him to a place where he can beg. This is the guy that's standing there, and he's talking to everybody, but he's not engaging with anybody. Anybody got any money? Anybody got any money? Anybody got any money? And he's asking everybody, but he isn't talking to anybody. But in reality, all of us are beggars. Some of us are really thirsty for a relationship, and that's why we'll talk to anybody because we just we start out looking for Mrs. Right now. We're just looking for Mrs. Right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that too much? Like, is that because we're all beggars? We're begging for someone to notice us. We're thirsty for attention. We're thirsty for love. We're thirsty for relationships. Thirsty for affirmations. And that's the right thing God wants to feed, just not that way. So before we create a caste system that puts the beggar down here and us up here, spiritual elite, like, yes. No, 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 you're a beggar too. Because Peter and John are beggars that come to a beggar. That's flipped this chap, couple chapters earlier. Remember Peter, the one who had denied Jesus weeping bitterly? Tell me he's not begging for something in that moment. All of us are beggars. And when we fail to remember where God delivered us from, we become very arrogant thinking we got ourselves there. Were it not for God, I'd still be in that pig pen. Were it not for the grace of Jesus, I would still be there. I am only here by his strength, by his grace, and by his stripes. I have been healed, and thank you, Jesus, for loving me and forgiving me. Oh, and I think that's what Peter and John were walking with, a presence of the goodness of God. And remember, Peter, who had just seen Jesus come back to restore him, and he remembered, like, yes, you've still been given those keys. You didn't forfeit it even when you denied me. You didn't lose what I promised you because you failed in the moment because you're going to get another chance and a third chance and a hundred and third chance and 200 chance because he is that good. Three in the afternoon, Peter and John are walking by this man who is begging. And verse three says, when 
he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. And so here's the part. Because what he wanted was money. But what did he need? So all of you come to God with a long list of wants. But what you want is not what you need. It's not. Lord, I need some new J's. No, you need to get on your knees. <laughs> Lord, I, I, need, I need a breakthrough in my bank account. No, you need a budget. <laughs> God, I, 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 need, I, need, I, need, I need a woman. No, 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 you need a j -j job. Like, <laughs> you need some hair product. You need some deodorant. Like, get out of your mom's basement and do something. I'm sorry, was that too much? I'm learning the boundaries here. Like, I'm, I apologize. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the part where I want to encourage you for a second. Because what did Peter and John have in their hand? Remember, the assignment is to now go build the... There you go. You're tracking with me. Go build the church. And so they're going to enter into Acts 3 with the assignment of building the church. And now they're looking around and saying, I need someone to build this church with. And now they take the person that nobody else would have picked. That guy. Why are they looking at this guy? I believe because they understand the assignment. When you understand the assignment of the kingdom, you see people. If you have a propensity to walk by people and not see them, I think you got the keys of the flesh. Because the keys of the flesh will always make you feel, here's what they can do for me. But the keys of the kingdom will always be, here's what God can do for them. You see the difference of the economy of the kingdom and the flesh? And so they're driven by that. So... Who has God put in my hand? The greatest thing that God will put in your hand is not money, it's not buildings, it's people. Peter and John were going to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon every day. This guy was put there every day to beg. Had they seen this guy before? Absolutely. I have to believe that Peter and John, prior to getting to the temple, had this conversation. All right. Jesus gave us the assignment. Let's build a church. Where can we start? We walk by this guy every day. Let's start with him. Let's just look at him and see what God will do with it. And here's what I want you to understand. When you understand the assignment of the kingdom and you know the keys are in your hand, you start to see the people that God has put in your hands. Who has God put in your hand? Who has he given you relational access to? God wants to build the church. And he's saying, good, I've given you keys, authority, use it. Who have I given you into your hands? Who is it for you? Who is close to you but far from God? Who is in your relational networks but they're outside the grace of Jesus? Who is the person that if they died today, they would go to hell? Make it really, really personal for you. For some of you, it's your daughter and she walked away and the relationship is fractured and she has thought you're crazy and she's run from God. For some of you, it's your spouse because you came to church by yourself today and your spouse is mocking you at home but yet you still came. Who is it for you? That God has said they're in the relationship, but they don't know Christ. For me, when I answer this, it's always my sister Luann. I was raised one of five kids, Lonnie, Luann, Leslie, Larry, and Lance. A good Catholic family from Minnesota. <laughs> and my father inherited a heritage from his father of alcoholism and abuse. My father chose to extend that, to hand that on to the next generation. So he handed us alcoholism and abuse in the home. It was a very brutal home. And my sister grew up thinking that, well, if my, if, my heaven, if my earthly father doesn't love me, how on earth could this heavenly father 
ever love me. And she ran as far from God as she could. But a calling is not running from something, it's running to something. So when we started our church, Elevation Church, 17 years ago, I told my sister that we're going to start this church. She laughed at me. And she says, I can't believe you're going to throw your career away. What a waste of time. And in her honest moments, because here's the reality of where my sister Luann is at right now. The divorce papers are on the table. And she's getting divorced. And in her honest moment, she said, if it weren't for my daughter, I would have killed myself by now. Who's close to you but far from God? Who's God given you access to? That God says, I want to grow the kingdom through you because I put them in your hand. The greatest hope is God has given them into your hand so you can hand them to Jesus. So when we started our church 17 years ago, we got on our knees and I wrote my sister's name, Luann, on the, on the cement of the building. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and I never thought it would happen. But a couple years ago, she came and visited us in North Carolina and in one of our Sunday morning, ordinary experiences, she gave her life to Jesus. And a couple years ago, my daughter, Dalen, gives her life to Jesus, and she was talking about how she wanted to get baptized. So we called my sister, Luann, and my daughter says, what, Auntie Lou, would you, get, would you get baptized with me? Watch this video. Oh, this oh, is fun. Stand to your feet. You can pull that video. Go ahead, stand to your feet. And for some of you, you watch that video and it brings tears to your eyes. But what I want to speak over you is God wants to do that through you. He wants to build the church through you. What has he put in your hand? 
the keys to the kingdom, authority, power. I don't know how long it'll happen, but I'm believing that person that you're praying for, they're going to come to know Jesus. It's, he's given it to you. It's in your hand. But some of you, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been playing games. You've been going to church, but you do not have an abiding relationship in Jesus. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And I want to invite some of you to place your faith in Jesus and begin a relationship with him. I'm talking about being forgiven of your sins. I'm not talking about a commitment to come to church or try harder or do better, but it's to begin a relationship with Jesus. And I want all of you praying out loud with me for the benefit of somebody who's making this decision to trust in Jesus for the first time or to come back to him. Pray with me out loud, church family. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the grave to forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my shame. Forgive me. And I'll spend my life following you. Keeping your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you just placed your faith in Jesus, I'm going to count to three. When I get there, without hesitation, I want you to boldly shoot your hand in the air, declaring you are trusting in Jesus. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Yes, keep it up. Come on, come on, come on. There we go. There we go. God sees that hand. Come on, open arms. Let's put our hands together and celebrate what God just did in this place. Come on, now celebrate. I said celebrate it. No, no, no. Celebrate what God just did in this place.